Greetings, everybody. This is a Travel Addict podcast where you can hear candid stories and discussions about business and adventure travel from around the world with activities such as trekking, diving, camping, driving, cruising, and just plain chilling out somewhere. We talk about lots of experiences in places all over the world, including the grand, the remote, the edgy, the risque, and ones of questionable merit. Education, fulfillment, and wonder enrich our lives. And of all the books in the world, the best stories are found between the pages of a passport. Stay tuned. Good morning, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, the travel addict. Hope you're doing all right out there. And we're into February. And you know, I haven't been around for too much lately because I've sort of been on the road, but that's what I do. You know, I leave the country for long periods of time, but I'm back, back in town. Today, David McKeegan is here. Now, he's got a good story to tell. It's a great story, actually, because I'm somewhat envious of him. And uh, he lives abroad, but he runs a business as well while he's overseas. And he's got three boys, three um, youngsters who were born in different continents. So there's a lot, lot of stuff to tell us here. David, how are you doing? Oh, fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Hi, hey, pleasure, pleasure. So, you know, it's probably difficult to keep track of people a lot of the time because there's a lot of people like you who would just travel around, live in different places. But you've got a family uh, with you, which is which is very commendable, and I think it's a great thing for your sons to grow up on as well, and they get to see different places in the world. But whereabouts are you right now? Costa Rica, is it? Yeah, right now we're on the Pacific coast in Costa Rica. Uh, in a little town called Nosara. And what people like to say about Nosara is that this is where the jungle meets the beach. So, you know, we wake up to the sound of howler monkeys. We see uh, pozotes and, you know, all sorts of different lizards, geckos, all this kind of stuff pretty much every day here. Now, that sounds fantastic. So you've got the jungle and the beach on your doorstep. And I do, I heard the beaches there are, are really fabulous. But then you could go sort of trekking, walking in the jungle, and then in one day and just go to the beach the next day. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the kids have all done surf lessons here. We'll go out on uh, fishing boats. You can catch yellowfin. You can catch, you know, all sorts of uh, delicious fish down here. Uh, we've seen, you know, humpback whales swimming by when we've been out on boats and dolphins and, you know, all this fantastic stuff. It's really kind of fun. Yeah, that's great. Um, how far are you from San Jose? Um, driving time, we're probably about five hours from San Jose. The closest airport to us is actually Liberia, which is L-I-R, and that is about two, two and a half hours away. Two and a half hours. But for international flights, obviously, it's not that far away from North America, but what, about yeah. a three-hour flight maybe or something. It depends where you are in the States. But typically, international flights are all going to land in San Jose, aren't they? Well, Liberia catches a lot of flights from the U.S. and Canada. Uh, so if you're coming from Europe, you'd probably go into San Jose. But if yep. you're coming from uh, the U.S. or Canada, you can be on JetBlue, American, uh, United has flights. Uh, I think Alaska Air has a couple flights. So, you know, there's a lot of ways to get here from the U.S. Okay. What's the, what's the, the airport code for that town? Do you know it? Uh, it's L-I-R. L-I-R. Good. Believe it or not, it sounds really weird, 
uh, David, but I know a lot of airport codes because I look at them and I, <laughs> some things re- stay in my brain cells, and that's one of them. So I've learned another one today. Uh, how long have you been in Costa Rica? We moved here in 2019, and before we came here, we were living in Bali, Indonesia. I'm going to ask you about that in a bit as well. So you've been in Costa Rica for some time. Now, I know a lot of uh, North American expats uh, moved to Latin America, and Costa Rica, from what I've read, is a desirable place to live. So is Panama, actually. Um, but you're still there. You've been there since 2019. I'm thinking you probably enjoy it down there, right? Yeah, it's really a nice spot. Uh, you know, the weather is pretty great most of the time. Uh, we're close enough to the U.S. that if we need to go back and forth to see friends and family and things like that, it's pretty easy. And, you know, you just have this nice tropical lifestyle down here. Yeah, I think it's uh, a great thing to do. But believe it or not, I've thought about it myself in Costa Rica. <laughs> I, I The only time I went to Costa Rica was where a cruise ship docks. I, I, I can't remember the name of it, uh, but I remember going uh, kayaking in Costa Rica uh, for a day there. And that's what the only thing I remember and uh, saw a sloth of a tree, but it, it looked uh, very nice. We went snorkeling there as well. So it, it's a great place. So you've been there a few years. Now, how old are your sons, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. We've got three boys. Uh, they're 13, 10, and eight years old. 13, 10, and 8 years old. How long, you're in Costa Rica right now, but how long have you been on the road, basically? You've been in different countries, but how long? So my wife and I left New York. We're both from New York in 2002. And the original plan was to move to Spain to do our MBAs in Barcelona. Uh, So we were supposed to be gone for two years and then return to New York. Two years into that, you know, we had our MBAs. Then we moved to London. Uh, We worked in London for a number of years. And then around the time of the great financial crisis, we started our own business. And that sort of gave us the location flexibility to be wherever we wanted. Uh, So we spent the first year in Brazil and in Uruguay. Uh, Then we went back to Europe for a short bit of time. Then we moved to Bali, Indonesia for about a year and a half. Uh, Then from Bali, we moved to Argentina and we lived in Argentina for about a year and a half. Then we went back to Bali. Uh, We spent probably about five years, six years in Bali, traveling around Southeast Asia, but mostly in Bali. Um, And then from Bali, we came here to Costa Rica. Okay, so you're there a while, and there'll probably be somewhere after this. Now, just saying, you, your sons were born, three sons, but they're all born in different continents, different countries, different continents, right? <laughs> I know. It begs the question, though, David. <laughs> you know, um, you're having a child in a country, and you have to be cognizant of the healthcare system, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I know where you are right now, they have good healthcare. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've read about that, and I keep in touch with the um, WHO uh, healthcare rankings systems around the world, and I know there's a lot of countries that are high-ranked, and I know that uh, Costa Rica is up there, so you feel perfectly safe. Um, so I think it's a great thing to, to bring your kids up. What about the education? When you go to a place, do you actually send them to the local school? Is that a problem, or are they homeschooled, or what? 
So we've done a bit of both over the years. Uh, when we were in Bali, the kids went to the Bali Island School, which is a IB curriculum international school. Yeah. And yeah, you know, great school. You know, we absolutely love it. Uh, when we came to Costa Rica, we started at a local school here uh, that's set up for international people. And in, in the high school, it follows the IB curriculum and it's Montessori in the lower years. Yeah. We did that for, oh, geez, maybe a year and a half or two years. And then right as COVID was starting, we decided we were going to homeschool. It was actually a separate decision from yeah. uh, COVID. And so we got pretty lucky because we got all the books, we got all the curriculum and everything right before the entire world shut down. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. And so uh, then we were homeschooling the kids for... You know, all through COVID, basically. And then as things started to open up again, we put them in a different local school here, also a Montessori school for the yep. younger guys. And our 13-year-old was doing a, uh international curriculum with like a learning pod down here. And then supplementing that with out-school courses and coding classes and, you know, all these other things that you can do now, uh, just if you have an internet connection. Yeah. Well, it make, technology is fantastic. Makes it easier that way. Now, I know yourself. And I think I think you mentioned on your profile that your wife does this as well. You run a company called Greenback Tax Services, yep. which is interesting. The fact is, you're overseas. You're earning money, and you pay taxes, and you have to file tax returns back to the U.S. Of course, which is important. <laughs> so you're telling people how to do that, which which is really important because I, I think as an American, I'm American by the way. I'm British and American, but. Um, if I went to, well, I have worked overseas uh, temporarily, but um, that if you work overseas, you ha still have to file your taxes, don't you? Yeah, exactly. So the United States, North Korea, and Eritrea are the three nations in the world that tax their citizens based on citizenship as opposed to residency. Uh, so it shows the company the United States is in. Uh, but yeah, the United States, regardless of where in the world you are, uh, you'll have to pay tax on your worldwide income to the U.S. Okay, and I just wondered whether, um, let's just say, a person is in the U.S. and they picked up a work contract to go, and I, I know this growing up in Britain, and uh, I know a couple of people who went to work in uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and Middle Eastern, uh, for technology reasons, so they got the reason they did that because they got paid a higher sum of money, but mm -hmm. it um, was low or didn't, didn't pay any taxes. But one thing they didn't have to do was pay taxes to the British government, as far as I can remember, right? Because in theory is, well, why do I have to pay taxes? Well, I'm not going to get the benefit from those taxes because I'm not living there, mm -hmm. right? And, well, there may be a theory about it, but it doesn't matter in an American citizen case. You could go – that type of scenario, you're still going to have to pay taxes to the U.S. government, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I have a friend who did exactly what you're talking about. He's British, buddy from business school. He moved to, I think it was Abu Dhabi, got a work contract there for two or three years. And then he was going to move back to uh, Britain. And he talked to his tax consultant. His tax consultant says, you know, if you come back, you're going to have to owe tax on a bunch of that money. 
Oh, yeah. So what he did is he took that money, put it into a separate account and said, I'm just going to travel for as long as this money lasts me. And he ended up spending about three years on a bunch of different places throughout Southeast Asia, Australia, uh, you know, Thailand, Bali, all these places. And then when he finally went back to the UK after this amazing adventure, he didn't have a tax bill because now he had been out of the country long enough. Okay, I, that that I don't think would work in the US, would it? Because you've got you yeah. can't put offshore money as a foreign bank account. Say, I'm, that's for when I'm living overseas to spend. You still got to send money to the taxman over in the US. Is that right? Right. So the US, it's completely different because it's citizenship based taxation. Yeah. Uh, now there's two ways that you can reduce or eliminate your tax burden in the US. Uh, the first one is called the foreign tax credit. So this is IRS form 1116. Yeah. And this says that any money you pay to a foreign government, uh, you get a dollar for dollar tax credit on your U.S. taxes. Right. So when I was living in the U.K. and I was paying money into uh, HMRC, the money I was paying in, I got a tax credit that eliminated the tax I would owe in the U.S. Okay. So if anybody listening to this is living Western Europe, Australia, you know, higher tax countries, you would probably use the foreign tax credit to eliminate your taxes in the U.S. Got it. Now, if you're living somewhere else, if you're living in, uh, you know, Bali or, you know, some of these digital nomad visas, they have special tax arrangements where you don't have to pay into the local system. Yeah. There's another program called the foreign earned income exclusion. And this is IRS form 2555. And this says that as long as you have earned income that you're earning outside of the United States, uh, you can exclude a certain amount of that from U.S. taxation. So for the 2022 tax year, which we're filing now in 2023, you can exclude $112,000 from U.S. Tax taxation. Uh, for 2023, so the current year, that number is going up to $120,000. Okay. So it well, actually is, ends up being a pretty good chunk of money that you can exclude. Well, well I, I would think so. But this is why people who do what they do go live overseas need people like you, right? <laughs> to figure all this out, it makes my makes my head spin just thinking about it. It's really complicated having lived in Britain all these years. I think, oh, my God, I never did tax returns when I was in England, you know? Right. <laughs> no, I didn't, didn't need to, right? Uh, that's another long story. Okay. But when when you're in a place and you're thinking about another place to go to, you've been in Costa Rica for a few years now, and uh, you've got to be concerned with a number of things like healthcare, safety, things to do, uh, mm -hmm. cost, um, and all, all that. So are these the type of things that are part of your consider? Also, I'm assuming they've got to be a place where you can go to and set up shop for your business without any complications as well. You get long-term visas. Are these, all these are things that come into play, don't they? Yeah. You know, we don't always need long-term visas. One, one of the things we really like to do, uh, we kind of jokingly call it our hub and spoke model. So you pick a hub somewhere. Like right now our hub is in Costa Rica. Uh, and from here, it's pretty easy to travel to Nicaragua, to Guatemala, to Mexico, yeah. to Colombia, to Panama. And so we just get to explore this region of the world for a little while yeah. and you know, really just enjoy that part of it. When we we're in Bali, we got to go all over Southeast Asia. You know, you're going to uh, Singapore, you're going to Vietnam, you're going to Thailand, you're going to 
Cambodia, you know, you take it's things like that uh, to just like get a feel for that whole area. So it's, it's really more the idea of like slow traveling, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, the kids are set off. They're going to a school where they have a learning pod they're doing. Uh, you know, sometimes you can access the local healthcare system, but we also have this international plan that covers us everywhere in the world, except for the United States and Canada. Uh, so we use that the entire time we're overseas. You know, a lot of people in the United States don't want to hear this, but the healthcare outside of the United States, uh, in a lot of cases is better. And in pretty much all cases that I've seen is cheaper, uh, than what you get in the United States. So it, it's a really good option to have in your back pocket to do some of these things overseas. Mm -hmm. Talk about healthcare. And the World Health Organization, which is based in Geneva, they have their what they call the healthcare index, healthcare system index. The United States ranks number thirty-seven in the world, <laughs> right. right? And that they have been for a number of years. And the top two right now, I think, are Spain. I think it's Spain, France, or Italy, uh, and Singapore's up there as well. Uh, so you know that's and it's it's a lot to do with the system as a whole and. The cost, and you find that obviously healthcare in Europe is, is is you know is what it is. It's uh, national health, but zero people go bankrupt each year through medical costs, right? right? Yeah, and that's that's a huge difference. There. <laughs> yeah, I know. And yeah, Singapore comes to mind. You mentioned that earlier, but having stayed in Singapore between 2000, 2007, 2008, apart from being a real classy place and virtually crime free the healthcare system is superb right there's yeah. no doubt about it and uh, obviously that's that's a, a real important thing i know uh, when you travel even when you are where you are today you feel safe as well like as far as yeah uh, yeah. yeah i'm sure you do yeah yeah 100% it yeah it's uh like what are the things you worry about in some of these places you know for some reason we've tended to live in a lot of places with volcanoes uh, you know, Indonesia and Costa Rica being two of them. Uh, so yeah, every now and then you get a little tremor or something like that, that you feel and you're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It just reminds <laughs> you where you are, you know? Exactly. <laughs> in fact, I was, I was in Indonesia in September, actually down in the middle of nowhere in Raja Ampat. I do scuba diving oh, nice. and, and, uh, that is prone to some trend, but again, it was incident free, but it does happen as you know. So, uh, but the, I get it. So you know the visa situation and obviously where you are right now. Um, tell me about Bali, Singapore. Sorry, no, sorry Bali, Indonesia. Um, I know Bali. I've been there, Bali, a couple of times. And uh, I do love the island uh, as well. So where were you? Were you in Kuta Beach or were you in sort of one of the outer areas? There? We were on the east side. So you know how like Bali looks like a fish? Yes. You got the little... Uh, the down been down road. on yeah. the bottom of the fish. Yeah. Uh, we were on the east side there uh, in a town called Sanur. Uh, now, Sanur? Sanur. Yep. You've got you know to be it? kidding me. Yeah, I stayed there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I stayed there. Last time I was there, it was 2018 or something. I stayed in Sanur Beach and I stayed at the Nike Villas Resort. I don't know how I remember okay. this stuff, but I remember yep. there was a, a bar down the street from me. And uh, every week they had a, a Beatles tribute band come and play. There. <laughs> right. And they were brilliant. 
<laughs> just brilliant. Um, but I, I do remember Snow Beach. I was there because I, you know, I like scuba diving. But I, we, you know, there some time ago. In fact, we were there. The wife and I were there in two thousand and two. We left there twenty four hours before the Bali bombings went off. Right. Oh wow. Yeah, and uh, twenty four hours before that, we were actually in the Hard Rock Cafe in Kuda Beach. So we dodged a bullet there. Now, just curious with Bali. How long were you there? You were there many years. In fact, you went back there, didn't you? Yeah, we we spent a year and a half. Then we left for a year and a half. Then we went back for yeah, it was five or six years. The next time, yeah. uh, you know, full residency and all that kind of stuff while we were there. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, is it is Bali because it's not it's part of Indonesia? I know now Indonesia's is the world's largest Muslim country, but Bali is Hindu. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Primarily it, Hindu. It's, so it's, it's like a, a little bit different from that. So are the visa requirements different from the rest of Indonesia? They're not. The visa requirements are the same, um, but the culture in Bali is different than the culture in a lot of other places. Yeah. In Indonesia. Yeah. Okay. So, what did you like about Bali? It, you know. It's really just a special place in a lot of ways. Uh, it's a great place to have little, little kids, and especially Sonora. I don't know if you remember, but there's a big reef break. Uh, so when the waves yeah. hit the shore on the beach line, there's no break, really. You know, you're talking three-inch waves. Yeah. And uh, it's great for little, little kids because they can just walk down, sit down in a puddle and, you know, play on the beach and dig in the sand and do all this while you're sitting and having lunch or, you know, chatting with friends and stuff like that. Um, the culture really adores children. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm from New York. You, you walk around uh, Manhattan with kids and people are like, get them out of here. They don't belong here, you know, <laughs> Where, whereas in Indonesia, like in Bali. Uh, if you go to a restaurant with a baby, uh, one of the Ibus, one of the women that works in the restaurant will come over and say, can I hold your child while you eat so that yeah. they don't bother you? Or, you know, they'll sit and they'll feed your kid for you and you know, things like this. It, it's really just amazing how uh, sweet and kind the people are. Yeah, I, I just, I remember that. They're very welcoming and they are, they are friendly. And uh, yeah, did you ever get to uh, Ubud? Go to the King's yeah, Palace. Yeah, we actually we lived in Ubud for about six months when we first went, um, and really liked it. But the traffic was uh, difficult to manage, and at the time, <laughs> our now thirteen-year-old was still in a stroller, uh, so pushing him around some of those sidewalks was a challenge as well. Challenge, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. It was a, a terrific place because the rice fields, the scenery everything there there's a famous shipwreck up there the uss liberty of the northern coast there a good diving spot now did you mention that you also stayed in singapore for a while well we didn't live in singapore but uh while we were living in bali but one of the drawbacks of bali is the healthcare system is not as good as you'd want it to be right so our pediatrician was in singapore so Every time the kids needed a checkup or a jab or any of this kind of stuff, we were on the airplane to Singapore and, uh, you know, we'd go to the hospital in Singapore and it, we used Raffles hospital and, uh, oh, yeah. no, yeah, the go. kids would see the same pediatrician there and, you know, did for, you know, pretty much most of their growing up time. Yeah. Yeah. What year was that? Just curious. Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, so we got there in like 20, I think second half of 
2010 to 2012. Mm-hmm. And then our second son was born in Argentina in 2012. So we were there about nine months before he was born or six months before he was born and about a year after. Okay. Uh, I had a, a flight from from Singapore to Newark uh, on mm-hmm. the way home for when I went to Asia recently. So I decided to stop over for a night in Singapore and boat the boat key area there. And what I did notice is it's got very expensive there now. It is. Yeah. Depending on where it is, you know, the Singapore dollar is relative to the U.S. dollar can get pricey. Uh, And, you know, certain things are more expensive than others. You know, you you buy a beer in Singapore, they try and make that really expensive because they don't want people drinking too much and things like that. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the medical costs I always found to be very reasonable. Oh, it is. uh, Especially compared to the U.S. Yeah. uh, Yeah. You're you're right there. So, where else? So, you were in. South America for a while. One of your sons was born in in Argentina. Were you in Buenos Aires? Uh, we started out in Mendoza, which is the wine country. Yeah. And uh, so our son was born in Mendoza. And then uh, we moved to Buenos Aires and lived in Buenos Aires for a while as well. Got it. So I guess you had a glass of Malbec occasionally while you were there. Did you? <laughs> We visited more than one vineyard. How about we put it that way? <laughs> that's probably a dude there. That's, that's my wife's and I's favorite wine we drink here is a Malbec. Is, I think Alamos or something. We we, we drink it here. And, uh, that's yeah, when I was container's fantastic. Oh, yeah. We, we've been, I, if you look at the bottle, there's like this Aztec-style pyramid on the bottle. Yeah. And uh, we visited the vineyard when we were living there. And... The tasting room, they have this massive, I think it's a massive wood, oak, like oak wood table. Yeah. And they told us that when they were building the structure, they knew they wanted this massive table in there, but they didn't have a door or a straightaway long enough. So they had to bring it in and then build the structure around it. Uh, so, and you can see that the picture of that on the uh, wine label bottle. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's a cool place. Um now, do your boys, because, uh, you know, one of them was born in, in South America, uh, in, in in Argentina. There is an European influence there. But did or you or your boys learn the language? So my wife actually grew up in Mexico City, so she's pretty much fluent in Spanish. Okay. Uh, and then we both did our MBAs in Spain, so we had I had to get up to speed. I was the kid that, like, Never wanted to learn Spanish in school because I was like, I'll never live in a Spanish-speaking country. I've now lived in two, uh, three. <laughs> I'm in Costa Rica now. Yeah. And uh, so the boys, when we were in Argentina, my oldest son was in a bilingual class, so he was learning Spanish there. Then we went back to Indonesia, and they were learning Bahasa, which is like the local language yep. in Indonesia. And now that we're back in Costa Rica, they're back in Spanish classes again here. So uh, they've been exposed to a lot of different languages. And, you know, we try and tell them that uh, if they want dessert, they have to order it in whatever the local language is. So they make a really big effort to get up to speed on uh, what's good in dessert language uh, wherever we go. Well, that's a bit harsh on you, David. If whatever you want to spend my life it could be starving. I've forgotten the name of that. <laughs> the food and the vegetables will order for them, but dessert they have oh, to be. Okay. You got out of that one. 
Um, just curious, when you're in Buenos Aires, I know it's a bit of a chaotic city there. Do you ever go to one of the uh, soccer games there? Uh, we haven't done that in Buenos Aires. We, we've done that in Rio in Brazil. Uh, we actually got married in Brazil. Uh, and we had like a destination wedding. We had like 88 of our friends coming down, friends and family. Oh, fantastic. Down. Yeah. And, uh, we toured around Rio with everybody for a week. And then we ran off on our honeymoon and toured around the rest of Brazil. Um, but we've been to, what's the name of the stadium? Maracana. Maracana. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, we've seen a match there. We've seen, uh, in Mexico city, we saw, uh, what's the name of the team? Copa Americana, I think it is. Yeah, uh, like one of the local teams play there. It, it's a lot of fun. The kids are all into soccer. Yeah, so uh, of course, yeah, heavily. Uh, yeah, I, I went to the Americana, but I didn't go by myself because I wouldn't be here now talking about it. But <laughs> you know what I mean. Yep. So I went with what people, some of the people I was meeting with. They said, "Malcolm, take off your watch, don't do as we." T-. Uh, and uh, it was a local match between I forget the Fluminense and one of the other teams there, but it was very edgy, but. I was going to say, I mentioned now about Buenos Aires because I went to a local game there between the River Plate and Boca Juniors. I tell you, good job I went with some of the locals there. They poked me. I, one of the teams scored, and I said, yeah. And they, I got put, no, 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 that's the wrong team, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> you know. Yeah, don't have to be careful there. But, yeah, Bu- Buenos Aires is a sort of a uh, cool place. But you also mentioned you went to Uruguay as well, right? Yeah, okay. We spent uh, maybe it was three months or so in Uruguay. Yeah, cool. You're getting around. Well, the big the begs a question then. After Costa Rica, are you planning for your next one or or what? Any idea? You know, we are kicking around ideas. Um, during COVID, you know, like everybody's locked down, like you can't leave, all the flights are canceled and all this kind of stuff. And I just had this very strong desire to throw a backpack on and just travel through Europe again. Uh, you know, just taking the train from place to place. So we're kicking around an idea of doing that maybe uh, at the very beginning of summer, like right before all the college kids get out or something like that. Uh, we're planning to spend more time in Asia, probably spend you know five or six months of the year in Asia. And then... Uh, yeah, you know, just be able to travel around there again. Like this last, uh, let's see, we were in Bali from September to October. We did trips to Singapore, Vietnam, uh, Thailand, uh, the Philippines, and yeah, you know, just had a blast. You know, yeah, so there's a lot to, to see. And I, I think when I, I just remember staying in Singapore, it's very easy to get to different places. Like Japan's yeah. a little bit far away, but it's it's not that bad, and uh, it's like a hop uh, skip. Yeah. And a jump. Yeah, exactly. I would actually, and, now, if I had a choice, I'd probably, Thailand keeps coming back to mind here as a, a desirable place, even if it's just for a month or so there. Yeah. I like the island of Phuket, but there's plenty, and there's lots of expats living there, you know. And there's still, oh, yeah, what I read, is there's still, I know there's lots of Europeans do this, but there's quite a few Americans that go and live overseas even now, right? Mm-hmm. I know Mexico yeah. is a favorite place for them to do it. Uh, but they're all over the place. And I think I just read before we got on the phone here that there's over 9 million Americans gone to live overseas. You know, in, yeah, in... I, I don't know that there's a official number, but I've seen that number thrown around as well. And, uh, you know, it's a combination, you know, like 
It's people like us that, you know, just want to have adventures. It's people that are getting sent overseas on work assignments or people who marry somebody from whatever yeah. country and they go to live there. And yeah, we're it's all a, over the place. I know it's, it's, it's an adventure. Life's an adventure. You got to do it while you can. Oh, it's on my list of questions to ask you. Go back to the, the money side of it. Being a little bit older or, you know, some people are on social security. Is that a problem? If people say, well, I still want my social security payments, but I want to go and live in this country. Is that a problem? Still getting it? No, you can still receive social security if you're living overseas. Uh, There's a handful of places you can't live, but they're places you probably wouldn't want to live anyway. Correct. Uh, You know, like Iran, North Korea, places like that. Exactly. You won't get your social security. But most places you're okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Um, Anyway, you've, you've, you've been to a, a uh, few places, but going on a uh, a tour through Europe is is going to be cool. I, I think I'm going to be back there uh, later on this year, and you know, some of my sister and niece and nephew are still over there, so I go back at least once a year uh, to see them, and uh, it's it's a cool thing to do. So maybe going back there, specifically where I don't know yet. Now, apart from Costa Rica being a, a good place to live, and I check this out. Some of the favorite places to, for expats to go to is like Spain and Portugal. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read about that, but there's well, quite a few uh, Brits go and live in uh, Portugal or have places there and in Spain. Good healthcare system, safe, enjoyable beach there. They've got everything. Good golf courses for what that means, but uh, you know it's it's <laughs> a desirable place to live. So uh, that, that's interesting. That's I, not, I think there's a huge number of people that have moved to portugal recently yeah uh recently meaning post-covid yeah. uh because you know they've got these digital nomad visas that make it pretty easy for people yeah. and I, I heard uh somebody here making the joke that half of california has now moved to portugal uh because the cost of living is so much better in portugal and yeah. if you're making california money and living in portugal uh, you know, all of a sudden you're in the 1% of the population. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I can believe that. And it's best. Yeah. If you can be digital nomads and, uh, you can work from home like you do, I think it's a great idea. Why not do that? That's yeah, a bit exactly. of adventure to your life because you've been doing this for quite a number of years. And I think you might be in the mindset like me, the more you do it, the more you want to do it. Right. Yeah. Now, well, is there any plans it, it, to go back to New York? state you know we go back for trips every summer to see family and friends and stuff like that you know we'll drop the kids off at summer camp so they get trained as americans you know they see uh what the culture is like and you know have some friends there and stuff like that uh but i don't see ever living in the united states again uh yeah there's just too many other places in the world i'd want to go to and live in and experience i i understand that and i you're not the first person i've heard understand that there's usually people like yourself who've lived overseas and they've they've experienced that and uh yeah they're pretty happy with doing it and uh, but you've been to quite a few places now if people want to get hold of you greenback greenback expat tax services that's what it's called right your company Yep. Our website is greenbacktaxservices.com. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I've got it on my screen. A nice website, actually. And you've done a lot of uh, return taxes, like 47,000. Oh, my words. And you've helped 14,000 <laughs> expats. That's unbelievable. There and in those, itself, it tells yeah, those you numbers are a little out, out of date. There, yeah. <laughs> and he, those are a little out of date. I think, you know, we, had, we worked with over 8,000 clients last year. 
Good Lord. And these are all Americans, are they? Uh, yeah, main, all what I would call U.S. persons. Yeah, okay, so, U.S. person. Yeah, yeah, that could be a green card holder. That could be a uh, U.S. citizen, anybody like that. Got it. Yeah, I think uh, it's this important because it, it, uh, tax code is very confusing to people. I'm, I'm still confused by it. And I've tried <laughs> to read through some of these documents. It gives me a headache. But I, I, you know about this stuff. That's what you do. But that's, yeah, greenback tax services. Okay. And it's important because you still have to file taxes, of course. And, that, you know, that's what we have to do regardless of where we live. So is that the best place for people to get hold of you if they need uh, your services? Yep, website. absolutely. All right. Well, cool. Uh, before we hang up here, David, anything else you'd like to add? You know, one of the things I just thought of, you mentioned uh, going to soccer games with locals. And one of the hacks we've started doing is when we're in some of these countries, we'll do these Airbnb experiences. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to do some of that stuff. But have a local guide kind of show you, oh, you know, don't cheer for this team, cheer for this yeah. team, like, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing to keep you out of trouble. So uh, if anybody's doing that, and especially with kids, uh, that's that's been a great way that we've done that and like super enjoyable. Okay, Ex- excellent. Well, uh, soccer is the, the worldwide game, obviously, and with the World Cup just just happened recently. And uh, you never know, you may be going to a place sometime in the future where their national sport is something else besides soccer, right? Right. <laughs> like cricket. Now, go on. Would you go to a cricket game? I- I've been to uh, a match at the Oval. Oh, well, there you it. go. <laughs> All right. I'm going to – did you stay to the end? I stayed until everybody else left. Yeah. Oh, well, they, yeah, yeah, that's I, I don't know if we were there for, I don't remember how long the match was, if it was one of these three day, five day matches, but, but there you uh, go. I, I left when everybody else left. There you go. Five, <laughs> the only sport in the world that can last for five days and end in a draw. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David, well, I wish you well in Costa Rica. Keep enjoying it there and good luck on your next travels. And, uh, if I need your help doing this, which you never know, I'll be in touch with you because uh, taxes confuse the hell out of me. So, uh, especially yeah, uh, sounds great. I'm overseas because I don't want to get in trouble, if you know what I mean. Yep. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for All having right. me. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Many thanks for joining me today. This is Malcolm Teasdale signing off. Before I do, please check out my website, MalcolmJTeasdale.com, for more information about my travels around the world. Okay, folks, talk to you later. Bye for now. Stay safe.